0: Friends, of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and I are tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Hey,
1: Basil on a Friday. Welcome to Tim and Friends. By the way, get used to it also just found this tennis ball going to hold it for the next two hours it is June 10th 2022 I'm not Tim you know that it didn't take you long I'm basically so holding it down for the next two hours here on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360 there is a ton to get to today including the latest from baseball with June Lee Blake Murphy also joining me for a minute later on in the show to talk baseball and the NBA finals Raptors rumors and again he hosts a baseball show now. So we mm-hmm. gotta talk to him about the Jays and the recent news. There's Mark Spears as well on the finals. James Sharman on the latest with Canada Soccer. I got some thoughts on that coming up as well. This is gonna be really distracting, distracting. And Carly <laughs> Clark, U Sports winning head coach, she'll be joining us. Uh, she'll be joining us as well. And she's gonna be coaching during Sports and Canada Basketball's global jam coming up soon in the CD. We're excited to have her on and excited to be here with my guy. You, yeah, yeah. There not? you go. But look we're at that, Jesse Rubenize. Oh, the Rubina. boys. Just
2: the boys. We're having some fun today. Can we're, you? Uh, can we hold it down? Here. Oh, yeah. Th- you throw see, back? I got a
1: suit on. We're already making. You got guy. the hoodie. It's though, a so, of this right now. You think we could do two hours of a show of not dropping it like that sitcom? That, no, I don't, I don't think so. Wow. I don't think no. Like we're I, we're
2: like. I, Quasi athletes, but I'm not gonna.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not gonna. I know know what the show's called. Thanks, producer. I don't know. Are sure or not? Friends is a show. Yes, I know that. Okay, funny story now that I found this tennis ball. My friends and I, friends, ironically, um, we used to have this thing when we hung out in university and a little bit after that, when we were at somebody's house, we couldn't leave until we caught a ball. X amount of times in a row, based on what time it was. So if it was like 1:30 in the morning, mm. we'd have to catch the ball 130 consecutive times amongst us to leave the house, and we would de- we would do it without fail. And sometimes it would go to like you know two in the morning or three in the morning, and somebody would drop it with like. 10 or 30 or 50 left, and we'd have to start again, and that was it. So are you just, like, sitting on the couch, throwing it back and forth? Like, what's the distance we're talking here? Yeah, it could be anywhere, like, and there's more than two people, obviously, and so just a few people So here if you want
2: to go to bed, you just stand right beside each other and just go. Yeah, but no, see, but good, that's bad, the
1: thing. Nobody copped out. No, right. Nobody okay. wanted to cheap no out on this challenge no here. Shortcut. So that's why I asked you if you think we could do this yeah, that's 502, that's 502 that's times for far, this show, but <laughs> uh, I don't think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like that. Listen, of course, this show is all about you as well At Tim and Friends on, well, everywhere TikTok, Instagram, Twitter That's how we interact with all of you So please feel free to throw down your comments uh, As the show goes on Also, I know my mom and dad are watching And they don't know how to use Twitter So just text me, Mom I'll get the thoughts (laughs) across It's all good Okay, what's the deal here? First things first I don't have a fancy name or, like, rhyming thing to do here But I'm not Tim So here, Jesse, your turn Love it. We have our own thing now. Yeah. Here, okay.
2: There yeah. you go. Oh! oh okay! Close. I thought that was going to hit the laptop. I, was like, the I thought high it was going to hit the laptop. Yeah, no, that's like the high jump, you know, when you just like squeeze <laughs> right over the bar, barely making contact. Love it. This uh, is going to be throw. dangerous. Great this throw. i dangerous. hold to it for a second here. Thank you. And we will begin with the Eastern Conference Final, where the Tampa Bay Lightning stole one on the road to take a 3-2 series lead. Andre Palat scored the go-ahead goal with a buck fifty left in the game, helping put the Rangers on the brink, New York is 5 0 when facing elimination this postseason phase. 5 0 when facing elimination,
1: can they do it again? Well, gonna have to, right? <laughs> I don't think there's much of a choice in this, but look, man, I, I don't wanna be that guy that says no, they can't. Mm-hmm. But no, they can't. <laughs> but no, they can't. <laughs> look what you done, did when you let Tampa Bay into a series again, right? I was watching game three in Vancouver where. There was no soccer game to watch on yeah. Sunday. So I had an establishment there downtown and watching with my cousins. And as soon as Tampa Bay, you know, scored that goal with whatever time was left in that mm-hmm. third period, my friend who was with me, my cousin who was with me said, well, that's the series. That's right. And I was, they, That's it. All you needed to do was give Tampa a sliver of hope. And they know what to do from there. And I feel bad for the Rangers because, honestly, man, that game three, they were the better team. And they lost. And you could argue yesterday as well, they were the better team. Mm-hmm. And they lost. But that's what happens when you play against a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning that have been there, done it, had the meal what a couple times in a row now as well. Also a Tampa team that has gone through the failures of the postseason mm-hmm. as well. You know, sports is very crawl before you ball, as one Kanye West once said. I feel like this is a crawling occasion for the Rangers right now. But... I do want them to win. I do want a Game 7. we got only four in the West, so please give me the tension that comes with a Game 7 in this instance right now, and uh, let's extend this season just a little bit longer. Will, I, will they win? I don't know. It's tough. Tampa at home now, after winning three straight, it's got to be defeating for the Rangers, so, so I, I don't know.
2: Yeah, the, the, the stats that really stick out in my mind, Tampa's won 12 of, of 13 playoff games at home. And you, you, when you watch Tampa now, you, you can identify certain things that make them who they are. They have the big guns that can do damage, obviously. Now they have Andre Palat, who, despite having a 28-game goal drought during the regular season, now has a franchise record, <laughs> 11 career postseason game-winning goals. Yeah. The dude is clutch. They have a, a checking line that has wreaked havoc this entire postseason. The Sorelli line is unbelievable. So, and you look at who's in net. So your point... So when you have this team on the ropes and you smell blood, that's your only chance. Because when they get started, it's like a snowball. And they're like, oh, we've been here before. We know how to do this.
1: This is what I mean. Like, you know, just enough place to get you through the game. Vasilevsky showing why he's been one of the best postseason goalies ever Mm -hmm. over the course of the last few games as well. Just big save after big save. And that's not to undermine the goalie on the other side who's also doing it, right? Igor Shusurkin has been unbelievable. But... As things get tense and when things get you know, really tight, my money would be on the Lightning to just figure it out more than the Rangers would. And I, I don't want it to be that way. I would like change. I want something different, but I just don't sense we're going to see it here in this instance.
2: A couple of things about uh, the game last yeah. night. Um, Jacob Truba, a lot of people. <laughs> Speaking are of smelling blood, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's sure. good. So a lot of people making a big deal about Jacob Truba, who has developed this sort of reputation. Uh, Throughout his career, but I think specifically during this postseason of standing guys up at the blue line or taking advantage when someone's coming across the middle. Obviously he missed in this instance that you're seeing on the screen right now but there are still people yeah. that were upset that he kind of led with the elbow. So what
1: okay. what did you make of that situation? Uh, look man, he led with the elbow. That's if that connects, that's dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Andre Palat had to duck, like he's Ken Wu in Mighty Ducks 2, bigger skating and through the guy's legs. Like woo-woo-woo. he had to duck. Yeah, woo woo woo, Kenny Wu. He had to duck at the blue line to avoid that check which takes a huge amount of awareness on his part, right? But that's scary-looking lead it is that's it is. a scary-looking lead and I know you said people are making a big deal out of it they should be that's dangerous man that's a dangerous dangerous play in my opinion and I'm happy that didn't connect I don't think that would have looked good for either side after that was done well that
2: probably uh, wouldn't have been scoring the game winner no thank you if, if, captain if obvious there if yeah Truba yeah Connected on that yeah I just think yeah. we, we don't want to get to a slippery slope where we start you know you can't really penalize
1: him because he didn't connect on the hit. No but, one's talking. I don't think there's a lot of conversation about that. No, I it's just think just, it's, what's been established in this postseason has a leniency to allow him to hit. A, a couple what, guys have gotten t- hurt at the t- end, yeah. well, legitimately, and, and Probably, some have borderline yep. on dirty or clean. That's not the call we're doing here. But when the line keeps getting pushed yep. and there's no discipline for, you know, set action, you just think you can get away with anything. And that looked like it had the potential to be dangerous. Now, again. I, I want to walk this back just a tiny, tiny bit because if he does hit him, I don't know how that's going to look. When when you miss a guy like that yeah. and your elbow is flailing out An a little bit, point. it is easy to do what I'm doing right now and be like, that is super dangerous. I don't know what the impact would have been like if he did hit him, but it certainly looks scary when you see that elbow leading like that off his body a little bit as well, not even connected to his body, yeah. almost like a swing motion there. And uh, that, that's where I start getting a little bit skeptical on how – the intent of that hit was going to be, you know? It's a very good point. Uh, okay, let's go to one of
2: your many, many wheelhouses. Okay. Uh, let's go to soccer. Yeah. Right? The Canadian men's soccer team finally took the pitch last night in the opener of their CONCACAF Nations League campaign led by Alfonso Davies. Two goals. Canada wow. beat Curacao 4-0 in Vancouver phase. You were there on Sunday huh, when it? the match got canceled. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on how this week played out?
1: Look, I said it Sunday when uh, speaking to Martin on, on Sportsnet Central. I'm still disappointed. You know, I'm still disappointed with the entirety of the week. Yes, it was great for 90 minutes or two hours to watch a game yesterday, watch that team play, watch them be the dominant team we saw during World Cup qualifying. But I want to see that. As much as possible. It's why I went Sunday, not for work, but for pleasure with my family to try to enjoy a moment of catching this team prior to going to the World Cup. And those were the scenes, right? I was right there amongst these disappointed fans that saw that weirdly phrased uh, jumbotron. <laughs> tonight's match canceled on above that, just kind of yeah, duplicated just to really hit home. And, you know, the week and the build-up to that, you know, was also so... Difficult to digest because I don't think anybody here expected any of this to happen. And mm. then when you're sifting through the details, it just gets really confusing. It was still nice to see them play. I have no issues with the fans, you know, being there in kind of small numbers compared to what would have been the case on Sunday. Um, the fans in Vancouver were disappointed, Jesse. Like, I spoke to a ton outside that stadium that day. And, you know, to be fair, before I actually did the work stuff, I was wearing a Davies jersey and, mm-hmm. and shorts. And all of us were there to see this team. And, there was a legit disappointment with the fans not being able to see that team play. Yes, it's Panama. Yes, it's Curacao. Neither are world-class opponents. Fine. But when you have something taken away from you like that at the last minute, you're going to feel disappointed regardless of who you side with. And, and this is not a this side or this, that side argument I'm making right now. We'll have time for that with James Sharman a little bit later on. But uh, it, it was nice to see them play. I wish I got to see them play in person live. And I wish more people... Also had that opportunity Sunday when more tickets were sold, more opportunities were there, and then it could have built a little bit more hype heading into Thursday's game, totally, I think.
2: Totally. But
1: a lot of people were deflated with the actions of both the players and Canada Soccer. This again is not an opinion. This is just the the reality of the conversation. You were there, yeah, this is their experience. Just yeah. just the conversations that I had with these people. That you know, there's a group of guys wearing a By- Byron jerseys with Davies on the back. There are a group mm-hmm. of players, uh, fans from Panama that that were trying to enjoy the game as well. Overall just disappointment but to have them play yesterday and then to get the glimpse of how good this team actually is and you can say whatever you want about curacao that's not a world giant by any means but it's not a minnow either they're you know on the cusp of being in the conversation with the top six or eight teams in conca cap they're eighth right now in conca cap just missed the uh the octagonal by by a few points and so to have canada come out dominating from the very beginning and then have Davey score a couple goals, too, including the penalty, by the way, which uh, he definitely called for and said to Kyle Laren, who oh usually man. steps up and takes that, mm-hmm. I'm home. This is for me right now. So that's just it's yeah, crazy we ha- I think him. we actually have the, the video of the penalty. So here he gets taken down pretty soft penalty, in my opinion, and he's telling Kyle, I'm home. Mm-hmm. I'm home. Like, and he's cool. right, man. He's a Vancouver Whitecap who professional experience started at 15 in that city. It's crazy. First time man. playing there since transferring to Bayern. First time for Canada to play there in a few years as well. And he scored twice. He put on a
2: show, he really did. Scored two goals in his last game at BC Place as well. Well, Look at that, right? How fitting. 2018. How fitting. 17,216 people in attendance got to see Alfonso
1: Davies. Pretty much at his best uh, last night. Listen, full credit to all 17-plus thousand that showed up. And I know there are a ton across the country that are waiting for an opportunity to see this team again. It'll come. uh, and, And I know you're angry about this week, but this team will need your support. They'll need your enthusiasm. They'll need every ounce of energy when the World Cup actually comes. So let's keep that momentum between now and November so that this team actually feels some of the love that's there. Love it. Small, small bump
2: in a long road to come. We hope so. We hope so. Game four of the NBA Finals goes tonight from Boston. After taking game three on Wednesday, the Celtics look to take a commanding 3-1 series lead. However, neither team has lost two in a row in the postseason. Does the back and forth continue
1: tonight? It's funny. When you get to the NBA Finals, right, like, you know, it's not that surprising when you hear that no team has lost two in a row because generally these teams are the best of the best. Hasn't been as dominant. You know, as in years past with the West and the East. But Boston, man, they, <laughs> they're they so good. I dude. hate to say it. They're, they're so good, so, right? they so like, good. They just have a way of, you know, here, take your third quarter. We're going to shut you the hell down mm-hmm. in the fourth, by the way. And mm-hmm. Steph's numbers in the fourth are not great this series. Draymond's numbers overall are not great this series. And clay has been, you know, while he's putting up the points, the number percentage-wise hasn't been overly great. And for Boston to be able to do that, look, you know Steph's going to get his. Yeah. And it looks like he's... No restrictions, ready to play tonight, as Steve Kerr said, all good in terms of injury after that scare at the end of Game 3. But man, Boston. How? Where? How? When, so, when? 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 When did this happen?
2: When they, when they flipped the switch sometime in January, they had flip, that flip. Team, team meeting, yep. and all of a sudden they became literally the best defensive team in the NBA by and a pretty are. significant margin. Yep. You're seeing that in this NBA Finals and throughout the postseason, and they're a pretty darn good offensive team as well. And I think it's interesting to look at these two teams and think that Boston is the team with the depth and the Warriors are the team that is searching for ways to score outside <laughs> of Steph Curry, who, as you mentioned, all systems go tonight, but still maybe a little bit hobbled. It's, yeah. like, the Celtics are eight deep yeah. with very, very good players, all of them. Jason Tatum has been, he, he might set the postseason record for turnovers in, in
1: the history of the NBA. You know, it's funny because, because he, still, wasn't, he wasn't overly great for I a lot know. of that game three. And then all of a sudden, can't miss, right? And that's fine. Jalen Brown did the thing early. Marcus Smart did the thing early. Yeah. And then let's go to the closer, Jason Tatum, to, to wrap things up. Exactly. Do we, do we have the numbers, guys? The offensive or the rating would step on and Steph off, by the way? It would be uh, great to contrast some of that now if we, if we can. If not, no worries. We'll uh, try to get that. But the, the numbers are jarring, right? They're one of the worst offenses mm-hmm. in the history of the postseason mm-hmm. without Steph on the court right now and one of the best ever. Look at this. Okay, there it is. Curry on the floor, the offensive rating is 112. Curry on the bench. It's a 20-point difference. This is the Warriors we're talking about. And you have Klay Thompson. Mm -hmm. You have Draymond Green. You have Jordan Poole. You have Andrew Wiggins. All of whom have been slightly underwhelming by their standards, right? The bar that the Warriors have set in this league has so, it's so, so high Mm -hmm. that when you see shots not go in from this team, you're like, oh, crap. They might be broken. They might be done. But... They need certain the guys. To, yeah,
2: they need certain guys to get going here.
1: Uh, I don't know if I'll bet against a team like Golden State that has Steph in full capacity of teams tonight to lose a second game in a row. But my God, Boston's been good. That's just an indictment on how good Boston's been, yes, Jesse. That, I agree. And that hurts me to say.
2: Yeah, they just need more. They need more from from Jordan Poole, Draymond Green. I mean, Draymond can't Draymond. be playing 35 minutes fouling out and having, like, two, three points. Like yeah. You can't, can't no,
1: lie. no. You can't have more podcast appearances than points, yeah. right? It's like, like, <laughs> that's exactly that's right. It, right? Yeah. That's
2: good. it is a good podcast, yeah. but uh, not that good. Yeah, no, okay. You're not that good. Uh, <laughs> after an off day yesterday, the Toronto Blue Jays are back in action tonight as they open up a three-game series against the Tigers. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern right here on Sportsnet. Top prospect, Gabriel Moreno has joined the team but is not active for tonight's game. However, he is expected to be activated at some point this weekend. FaZe, what's your excitement level to see the number four overall prospect in baseball in action?
1: Yeah, I heard Shai Davidi on Sports Central this week talk about how he's got the power of Vladimir Guerrero, the (laughs) discipline of Bo Bichette. And I'm like, wait. How is that possible? Please give me this guy in my lineup. I love this from the Jays right now. Okay, yes, they're a catcher injury that causing this, that, that caused this, right? Mm-hmm. Danny Jensen goes down. You have depth at that position, right? Zach Collins has been there, and Alejandro kirk has been unbelievable, but here's, there's such a difference when top prospect hype comes to fruition, man. No protecting, no saving, no waiting. This guy's been so good in AAA. Let's just put him on the team with this lineup that's playing really well, the team that's winning.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: L- look at the numbers, look at the average. Ah, yeah, I'm so excited. Top prospect excitement is legit, Jesse. It uh, yeah. is legit. And I'm going to talk to June Lee about that when he joins us in the next block. But, man, I'm pumped. I'm sure you are as well.
2: Yeah, David Singh had an excellent big read on uh, yeah. Sportsnet.ca, just talking about Gabriel Moreno's uh, journey. And it, it opens up the door to questions about the catching position because now the Jays have significant depth. Obviously, sure. Danny Jansen's banged up at the moment. But when they're all healthy, that's a lot of catchers <laughs> and a lot of catchers that produce. Yep. So do you think the Jays should be looking to make some sort of move or is it dependent on how, what we see from Moreno <sighs> yeah. in the early going?
1: Look, if, if Moreno comes in and lights it up, the, he's not going anywhere. I'm right. sorry about that, right? And uh, you know, for as great as Danny Jansen's been, that's probably the guy that that's on the way. I don't know what you get for for a backup catcher in the league. Yes, mm-hmm. he's hitting for power, not, not so much for average. But I, I don't know what the deal is there. I, I'm not even sure I want to talk about that too much. I'll t- discuss it with our experts like June mm-hmm. and, and Blake Murphy <laughs> when he's here a little bit later. But... For me, the excitement. I mean, for me, the, the real deal is just having the excitement around this guy. And I think there are some tweets again, expected to be activated Saturday, expected to catch and be in the lineup then to make his debut. But let it play out. Going to be around the team. He's wearing number 55, which is Russell Martin's old number. Hasn't been worn since him, obviously. So Love that. just feels feels right, Jesse. I'm ready. It feels right. I'm ready to see him. We've been
2: waiting a long time yeah. for him. And you hear his name all the time. Top prospect. Top MLB prospect. Not just Blue yeah. Jays. Yeah. Let's see him on the field.
1: Getting set to start a series with uh, the Tigers this weekend right now. All right. We're just getting started on this Friday edition of Tim. And friends. Still to come, James Sharman is joining me. Throw me the ball, bro. Come on, let's go to break. All right, here on, we go. On a problem. You gotta get it though. Oh, yeah, we got it. Oh. Discuss He's what's a been K. a dramatic week for Canada's soccer. We're gonna talk hoops with Blake Murphy. ESPN's fans Mark Spears as well at a game for the NBA Finals. Plus, Carly Clark, the head coach of Canada's women's basketball team at next month's Global Jam. You're gonna join me in studio. Up next, though, baseball talk with my friend June Lee. It is Tim and friends on a Friday. No Tim, just Faisal and Jesse. Let's go.
4: Tonight, you know, people can forget about what happened and hopefully step forward and these fans, they've all turned up tonight and they've been great. I mean, what a treat. It's
2: all in the hips. <laughs> all sway together. All, the- all sway together. It's all in the hips. All- you got to sing it while you doing it.
5: Wait a second.
6: They're going to intentionally
4: gonna- walk him. On one and two? Yep. Can you explain that to me? Is there some question about whether that was a good move or not? Turner gives up a hit there. You know, I'd be walking. i be walking into the lake or something because that would've been stupid.
5: No harm, no foul. <laughs> Draymond. <laughs> Draymond. <laughs> you
1: too. Welcome back to Tim and Friends on this Friday. Facing me, so Jesse ribbon i holding it down. It's time for one of the funniest things that I want this year to talk about. Okay, <laughs> Tony La Russa, God's gift to baseball, according to Tony La Russa, uh, decided to intentionally walk one Trey Turner. Now, it's not unusual to intentionally walk mm-hmm. big hitters like Trey Turner, except he decided to do it on a one and two count, as in Trey Turner had two strikes to his name when La Russa decided this was the decision. Next batter is one Max Muncy. Bye-bye. That's a three-run home run. That's funny to me. Yes, if I was a pitcher, I would also feel like that. And if I was Tony Larusa, maybe I'd have some regrets about my decision to do exactly what I did. Here's Larusa after the game.
4: Is there some question about whether that was a good move or not? I guess if one two is the question. Do you know what he hits against left-hand pitching? With one, 0-1 or two strikes, you know what he hits. Well, you know what Muncie hits with two strikes with against a left-hand pitcher? Uh, I mean, is that really a question? Because it was one and two? Turner was a, a strike left against a left-hander is not something you can avoid if you can. And we had an open base, and Muncie happened to be the guy behind him, and that's a better matchup. Here again, somebody disagrees, that's, that's the beauty of this game, welcome to it. But that, that wasn't a tough call. If Turner gives up a hit there, you know i'd be walking i'd be walking into the lake or something cuz that would've been stupid
1: yeah would have been would have <sighs> been right i don't understand that at all well I'm, I'm trying to understand it too because okay fine he's trying to justify it with the math and the numbers which hey didn't know tony or got down with the analytics of baseball like that which okay fine we can all learn something on this mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. Um, it just feels like when you have a batter in a 1-2 count, Jesse, the odds are more likely in a way to get him out or limit damage either way. So what's the
2: deal? This is this is one of those things, and this happens in sports from time to time. Like A lot of people in sports obviously have egos. I think a lot has been made about Tony La Russa in his past, about yeah. him having a, a pretty sizable ego. Yeah. And there was a fan that yelled out uh, while they were walking. It was so funny. Like he has two strikes. Two strikes, Tony. Why are you walking? Him? Yeah. And I think there's this this time now where like if a fan knows if everybody in the well, building everybody, everybody, everybody knows. in the building everybody knows. everybody Tony watching at knows home, why are you trying to be smarter than everybody else? It's just it's just about being
1: too cute. Like man. that's and-
2: that's the thing that really bugs me. It's like Yes, you want to play the analytics game. He's not even an analytics guy. Yeah. So why are you what, suddenly I mean. refer, well, Yeah, why are you suddenly going back to the analytics? So when you put all of that together, it just seems like for whatever reason, it was one of those things that he decided this is a hill that I'm gonna, you know, proverbially, proverbially. <laughs> Proverbially die on. Yeah, there you go. Good. Um, and it, it's just it's it reeks of it reeks of arrogance. All right, is what it is. I,
1: I want to ask June Lee about this. ESPN He's staff the man writer, to ask. happy uh, to always talk to this guy here. June, listen, one two count Trey Turner. Look, I get the logic of wanting to walk him with a base open maybe before the at bat starts, but when you get that deep into account, it feels a little crazy to me. No. Yes, especially when you already have two strikes
3: on it. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it from just like a mathematical analytics point of view, it doesn't really make a ton of sense when you consider the fact that you know, Joe Madden was a guy that used to do this pretty frequently and seen kind of more analytically minded managers do something similar in the past. But when you have two strikes against the hitter, the odds are already against the hitter. So from you know, trying to justify it through analytics really doesn't make any sense right. in terms of an argument.
1: Right. I'm I'm with you, man, and and we've seen this in baseball. We saw Joe Matt Joe Madden do it. Uh, gone, by the way. Tony La <laughs> okay, still still around. But is there a sense that with some of these older school baseball managers, especially on a team as talented as the White Sox, that they're maybe holding them back from reaching full potential? I mean, that's the
3: sense that I always felt around Tony LaRusso when they hired him mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, he might be a guy who has done a good job managing egos and personalities in the clubhouse in the past. But when you consider everything that is required of a manager in today's game, understanding the analytics and being able to apply those in conversation with the front office, I was really puzzled by that because I always felt that this is a team when you maximize their potential on the field. This is one of the most talented teams in baseball. This has been a team that has been growing from a youth perspective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, bringing up guys like Luis Robert and and Eloy Jimenez, on top of guys like Lucas Jim Anderson. Uh, you know, that whole uh, kind of White Sox core there. And so and it's also funny too that you you mentioned Joe Madden as an old school manager because he was the guy that led a lot of managers into the 21st century in terms sure. of thinking about the game analytically, guys. Being second. Uh, but you know, Lewis is kind of from a, a different generation in that regard. And, and while he still has the ability to to manage egos, um, I think it's fair to question right now. Looking back, it was fair to question at the moment. Fair to question right now, you know, where the White Sox would be if they had hired a younger manager yeah. in the vein of you know, kind of the Alex Cora, AJ Hinch, that mold of generation, um, who's kind of used to working with the front office to make these kinds of sorts of decisions.
1: Even you know, even in Toronto, Charlie Montoyo. You know, by age, is an older guy than some of the guys hired, but he came from a raised system that, you know, specialized in the nitty gritty, the the real core numbers there. And so you're seeing, you know, a similar makeup of a team built around a bunch of young stars with endless potential. Finally, seemingly at least in in ours after a slow start, hit some of that, and it's exciting uh, to see that. What else is exciting about the Jays is the call up of their top prospect, Gabriel Moreno. And we're not going to get into specifics about him at all, but the specifics of Prospect excitement, June, at times it's neglected because teams wait a little bit too long or they're, they're scared of wanting to call up their top prospect because of service time, this, that, or whatever. But for a Jays team, that's good, that just lost a catcher due to injury, that was hitting relatively well. Why not excite the fan base a little bit more by calling up the number one guy?
3: I mean, there's a balance to all of this because I think we've seen this in the past where crosswalks are called up too fast. They get their confidence cratered because they're not ready for major league pitching. And then that just sort of spirals. So I think it really has to be taken on a case-by-case basis. But we've seen over the course of the last decade or so, especially since Mike Trout and Bryce Harper were called up at a really, really young age, that we're seeing the trend of – these younger guys, you know, Wander Franco being a prime example of that, getting called up at a younger and younger age and expected to contribute at the major league level immediately. And so I think that there is a fine, high wire balancing act that you have to take with prospects today, uh, especially when you know that you're putting a lot more pressure on a guy like that. To succeed uh, early on uh, and, and so I, I think you need to you know find the balance between that and that is a, a case-by-case decision that needs to be made um and not trying to kind of come to the whims of the what ex- actually excites the fan base
1: <laughs> i don't know i'm here for the excitement man i'm here for hey you've got a good team right now you've got a bat that seemingly is producing relatively well in triple a you've got a guy that can throw out a bunch of batters as well why not add him to the mix and see what he can do, knowing that you have a guy like Danny Jensen who's going to come back at some point, but you also have a little bit of depth in that position as well, right?
3: But but the gap between AAA and in the major leagues, I think, is often understated. Like sure. you can put up numbers AAA and not perform at all in the major leagues, and when you have a guy like Danny Jensen coming back, I, I mean, it might also be a situation. I don't have sourcing on this, but where. You know, when you bring up that top prospect, you want to make sure that they're in this for the long haul. You yeah. have, you know, established veterans in their clubhouse between Daejans and Zach Collins, who are, are able to kind of hold the tide uh, until you know Moreno feels like he's able to actually take over on a full-time basis. All
1: right, I wanted to to talk Otani, and maybe we'll just get a quick thought on uh, his unbelievable performance to help them snap that losing streak. Nickelback, this, that, whatever. Thoughts on Otani and the Angels finally figuring it out. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean it's. I, I'm told, not totally convinced just because I think that this is still a top-heavy roster. Right. Attendant uh, Mike Trout, Otani, Anthony Rendon to really, really perform. But I, I think everyone in baseball wants to see these guys performing in the postseason. I really hope that they get there, but. They still might be a couple years away. Uh-huh. As as sad as that is, from actually competing for a champion, despite the top end town of the roster, and I think that this is just emblematic of the fact that in baseball, regardless of the power of the starters that you have at the top of the roster, and the Angels between Shroud and Otani literally have the top two guys in terms of you know talent in Major League Baseball. That's not alone is going to carry you to the postseason. And you look at the Rays the complete flip side of that, where. You know, you have no top end talent, but those guys are in the postseason race every Every single year year because they had the depth and that and that and that depth adds up over the course of time. You have enough guys who are hitting above replacement level playing above replacement level. Those small wins. They add up to towards uh, a postseason berth over the course of an entire 162 game season.
1: All right, let's get to the Junos. June. His name is June Lee. This is the Junos. We got a few different categories today. Starting with most Earth Scorch, and you're giving that to the defected PGA Tour golfers. Why? Yeah,
3: I think this is a really complicated, interesting situation that's happening with the PGA and the Saudi-backed golf league because you know there is there's an argument to be made that you know the the Saudis are obviously you know there's a lot of ethical problems there with mm-hmm. taking the money, uh, you know everything that's happened with Jamal Khashoggi and then on top of that too I think there's an interesting twist to all of this where um there's a larger global thing happening with sports right now I think that there is this is almost a a moment for the PGA to kind of recalibrate because they've been content being the, the golf league for such a long time and as the world becomes a more global economy, this is going to be the only time that this happens. We're seeing this right. happen in soccer, where you know, even in the United States and North America, the Premier League is the dominant league where people watch soccer. The MLS hasn't been able to catch on from just a audience uh, audience hype perspective in the way that the Premier League obviously has. They have the top end level uh, talent there, and then you see this across other sports as well, where baseball, you know, Major League Baseball is kind of the league uh, for baseball around the world, you know players in japan expect to come over to the united states players in korea who are the best expect to come over to the united states all around the world and i think that this might be uh, a moment for golf where they're starting to see that because this has become a more global economy and because sports is not only just you know you you have to think about the united states market but you have to think about the global market in terms of appealing and growing your sport as a whole that there's going to be competition uh, not just Uh, from the United States uh, and and North America for the Sports League, but around the world, and I'm very curious to see, especially with Major League Baseball's antitrust exemption starting to get questioned by people in the United States Senate uh, very publicly, that has been a legal monopoly in the united states for a very very long time there is an opportunity especially with the global audience of a sport like baseball uh to to create a league that is is wider and so i think that this is an opportunity for an institution like the pga that has been around for such a long time to start to recalibrate its expectations about what it means to be a sports league in 2022 when the world and the internet has made the entire sports landscape more global it's easier to follow sports that are happening around the world and not just follow the one league the pga that has been around for for generations and iterations
1: what an answer yeah i know i know i'd love i'd love to spend more time talking about this june but and maybe we will in another episode but we got a couple more topics to get through here including the juno for most polarizing podcaster this one feels pretty obvious (laughs)
3: I mean, Draymond Green, I think, has been just a 21st century athlete in many ways. I think if Charles Barkley was playing today, he would be doing exactly what Draymond Green is doing right now. And it's been fascinating to see Draymond podcast immediately after the game. And I've been... Kind of pushing back against the criticism of him, where it's like, you know, he's distracted, XYZ. If he was distracted, if this was distracting him from actually performing on the basketball court, then get rid of press conferences. This yeah. Is yeah, this is exactly that. He's just kind of taking, Yeah, this is him just taking that into more of his own control. And so, you know, I think Draymond Green needs to play better. He needs to not shoot 25% <laughs> from the field in order for this Warriors team to remotely have a chance to beat the Celtics. I also think that the Celtics just might be more talented than the Warriors at this point. I think Jason Tatum, Mm. I've been saying this entire playoff run, especially as a Celtics fan, is a a top five player in the NBA right now. Um, And this just might be a moment where we as a basketball watching public have to recalibrate the fact that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum uh, might be a better combination in totality than... You know, a, a Clay Thompson that is coming off of injury has yep. been inconsistent throughout the course of the NBA Finals. Steph Curry is obviously injured, but he's still Steph. And Draymond has, hasn't has been shooting the threes. He's making it easier to defend him. Jordan Poole's going to have to step up. Like, I, I want to see Steph Curry, if I'm a Warriors fan, put in more of Jonathan Kaminga because that dude is really, really talented. But it might just all be for nothing because I think the Celtics just might be a deeper team and yeah. a better defensive team all around uh, than the Warriors.
1: We touched on that at the beginning of the show as well. Okay, we got a minute left, June. The uh, Juno you know for excluding inclusion. And this one I got thoughts on as well, but I'll lead it to you. The Tampa Bay Rays.
3: Yeah, I mean, this was such a complicated situation. Uh, yeah. This was a, a situation that became very, very complicated at Tampa Bay where you know the, the Rays were having Pride night. A bunch of players decided not to do it. I think this speaks larger to the issue that if a team or a corporation is going to speak up in favor of a marginalized group. You have to go all in. And we saw this with the way that the Rays themselves, just a couple of weeks ago, handle everything that happened in the in the aftermath of the shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where they went all in with the Yankees on their social media feed, yeah. regardless of probably the what some of the people on the team thought about gun control As you know that there's there's a very conservative culture in Major League Baseball. And we're at a time where, you know, a lot of these Corporations, for better or for worse, drive these social conversations in America through what they put out as public messaging, and this is a you know conversation, especially in the wake of a lot of conversations about you know marriage, Roe v. Wade, everything. This is becoming much more sensitive, and a lot of people are getting empowered to speak up about this. On top of the you know tying in the conversation around cancel culture as well. Yeah. You know, if if you are a corporation that's going to go into this, you have to make sure it's not just a PR move to talk about pride. You have to go all in and make sure that there's no Uh, way for your message to to have holes poked in it um, by having players speak up about this if that is something you believe in is that is a message you want to speak up uh, as as an as an organization or any corporation uh, in in north america
1: classic deflecting from the players as well blaming god june they don't come as smart as you we appreciate you as always man thank you appreciate you having me on That is June Lee, ESPN staff writer. That was the Junos. Coming up, we're less than a month away from Canada's International Basketball Showcase Global Jam. After the break, head coach of Canada's women's team, Carly Clark, will join me in studio. Stick around.
0: Look at a legend in the mirror. They said we
3: never make it here. Must be the top, ain't no, one near. ain't no one near. So let me make one thing clear. This is our year.
0: See the rise, Canada. This is our year. If you know, then you know. If you don't, let me highlight you for me. We got that chip, But we didn't come this far to only come this far.
4: This far? Nah.
0: Yo, you heard that line before?
4: Heard it. Yeah, you done not know.
0: All right, all right, Here we go. What if I say we bout to connect the world with basketball's future? What if I say we bout to shine the light on its rising star? What if I say we bout to launch the Illest Hoops Fest ever? Cause you know, this is our year. This is life.
1: Ball is life.
0: And like the homie KG said, it
6: it
0: So let me make one thing clear. This is our year. The finest young talent in the mix, in the six. All in one spot, in the dot. This is Global Jam 2022. make one thing clear. This, this is our year. Yeah. See the rise.
1: Awesome. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Yes, Global Jam is less than a month away. We are thrilled to have the head coach of Canada's U23 women's team that will be competing here in Toronto as well as head coach of the reigning U-Sports national champions, TMU, <laughs> Carly Clark, joining <laughs> me in studio. Thanks a lot for doing this, Coach. Thanks First so of much all, for having me. Yeah, how are you feeling? Great. All Feeling good. Great, yeah. That video hyped you up. I'm sure you've been uh, involved with the logistics and planning for this for a while, but that video got me hyped.
6: It's good. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be a great event.
1: Okay, what's even more hype is the reveal you've got for us right now. So, take it away.
6: Yeah, we're excited to reveal our training camp roster for the U23 team that we're going to have uh, coming up here in July. Okay. Uh, lots of exciting names on the list.
1: There it is. There is the list right now. Made up of a ton of players you can see playing NCAA women's ball right now and a couple uh, from local here in Canada. Uh, standout names, people that this country should be paying attention to right now. Who you got?
6: Well, obviously, hard to, hard to narrow it down. Right. It's a really, really great list. But, um, you know, if you look at this, this group of athletes, um, three of them were Olympians with us last summer in Tokyo. Letitia Amahir, Aliyah Edwards, Shayna Pellington. Um, and they're all having tremendous... College careers, and then um, you know, lots of GTA. I mean, countrywide talent, but GTA talent as well. If you look at Latasha Lattimore and uh, Cheyenne Day Wilson, Cheyenne coming off a uh, uh, freshman of the year campaign in the ACC, so lots of really exciting names on the list.
1: Yeah, that list features uh, three women that were involved in the semifinals of the NCAA tournament as well. In fact, all four semifinal teams had a Canadian on it, which just speaks to the growth. And that's what I wanted to ask you about first, the growth of the national program here in this country over the last while. You've been involved for quite some time. What have you seen as the biggest impact to growth here?
6: Yeah, I think there's a number of different elements. I think there's a, a key focus on development. And, um, you know, across our country, we're focusing on, uh, you know, the whole picture that helps to develop our athletes. Um, you know, events like this are helping them play in high-profile events in in. In having great level of competition to prepare them and and to help them to continue to grow
1: it's not just high profile events it's a high profile event that's happening in canada in toronto something again global gym hasn't been done before how exciting will that be for some of these players to be featuring in their home country at something like this
6: yeah i think it's enormous um you know the the commitment that these women make to uh, being athletes, being student athletes, they're traveling around the world. Um, you know, we spent 80 days away last summer uh, in preparation for Tokyo with some of these young women. Um, you know, and we had people following us, but for uh, their level of talent, commitment, sacrifice, everything they bring to, to Canadian basketball and as role, mo- role models in, uh, in women's sport, to be able to have our young women and, and fans to see that live, is, uh, it's a really, really exciting thing.
1: There's a change at the national team level for the women's side, full-time coach right now. Victor LaPena joining the, the helm. What does it mean to have someone there full-time, committed, this is the, the focus of, of this coach right now? What, what will that do for the program?
6: Yeah, I think it's a huge step for our program. You know, we've been knocking on the door. We've been at three straight Olympics. Uh, we've medaled at some age group championships. Um, and, you know, our goal is to get to the podium at the World Championships and the Olympics. So to have someone that's dedicated full time to the development, the system, and, and, you know, to try and propel us to the next step of growth, um, we're really excited about that.
1: Does that stuff translate to some of the players as well? Do they feel that same excitement and same commitment from Basketball Canada because of that?
6: I'm sure they do. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, you know, they know that they're they're supported in whatever environment they're competing in. And, uh, you know, we're watching and cheering for them when they're not with us. And, um, you know, really just combining all those different elements to help them to continue to improve.
1: So Global Jam is coming up. we would mentioned it July 5th to 10th. You can get your tickets right now just on a personal level to, to see something like this happen in, in this city. Did you think we'd get to a point where this is what was going down?
6: Uh, I think you always dream of it yeah. as, you know, for me, formerly a young player, never at this level, um, but now a coach at this level. Um, extra special for me that it's, it's being uh, held on our campus at Toronto Met. Um, you know, we've had a couple events across the country. Uh, Edmonton's been a great host to our senior women for a long time. Um, so just to have the consistency of, of showcasing our athletes uh, live in front of our Canadian fans, again, it's, uh, it's a big deal.
1: What's the challenge for you coming in to have to coach this team? Obviously, tons of coaching experience, but a bunch of players that maybe don't have a ton of time playing with each other and not a lot of time to coach them up. What's the challenge for you as a coach to figure it all out?
6: yeah i think they're all coming from environments where they're the best athletes on their teams right so um, there's a team building element that you've got to work to bring them together and and create some role clarity Um, but all of them have come up through our system in different capacities and and have experience with that um, you know in a short training camp and in coming together and building a team to compete to win
1: certainly helps having a championship level coach like yourself at the helm what was it like uh, winning that u sports title with the university school formerly known as Well, the current school, Toronto Metropolitan University. It's gonna take a while to get used to that, by the way. No question for you as well. Imagine, yeah, we're adapting.
6: So nice job catching yourself. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that I mean, the youth Sports championship was uh, an incredible moment for our program. Uh, We've been building our team for a long time, and you know, we had a lot of interruption in order to get to the opportunity to compete for that championship um, the last two years. And and obviously even throughout this past season. So to have it all come together for these athletes that have sacrificed so much, uh, you know, it, it means a lot.
1: What were the biggest challenges over the course of the pandemic and trying to keep players motivated, trying to keep players just interested in the sport in general or to keep players, what's the word, just mentally there. It was such a difficult time for so many people that you could lose focus on what the priorities are. So what were some of the challenges that kind of came with that?
6: Yeah, I think that's, you know, such an important thing. and. You know, I believe that actually helped our team excel this year in a lot of ways because our focus was really just around making sure everyone was okay. You know, you weren't yeah. focused on performance sure. or, um, you know, we were just trying to stay connected and make sure that everyone had what they needed to to get through the time. And I think it that helped build, um, you know, a level of togetherness that we were able to carry through the season.
1: That's amazing. Carly, listen, we're so happy to have you here helping promote what you're Going to be part of which is Global Jam July 5th to 10th throughout the city of uh, Toronto. If you don't know, as that voiceover said, you're going to know very, very quickly. Tickets are available now. It's going down at Mattamy Athletic Center, which, again, your campus, championship winning. Uh, pedigree in the building, so uh, you're going to want to be part of that. Thank you so much again for joining us. We're looking forward. Like I said, I'm going to be on vacation for the first half of it, but as soon as I'm back, I will be there. Uh, excited to be part of it, and I hope everybody that's watching uh, will be as well, so thank you.
6: Amazing. Thanks so much.
1: No problem. Still ahead on the second hour of Tim and Friends. The Jays open a weekend series with the Tigers tonight, but when will we see super prospect Gabriel Moreno? We'll get you set for Game 4 of the NBA Finals as well between the Warriors and Celtics. Blake Murphy and ESPN. Mark Spears coming up after this. Hey, 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 hey.
0: Tim and friends, stop for Tim and friends, Tim and
5: friends. Tim and friends, stop for Tim and friends, Tim and friends. And now, time for real sports talk with Tim McAllen and friends of the show. Just the
1: friends on this day. Thank you, Chief Dogs. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. No, Tim. Faisal Misa here. Happy to be filling in. We've got Jesse Rubinoff, of course. We're going to be with you for another 30 minutes on Sportsnet. Don't wave. They're not looking at you. Ahead of Blue Jay Central. And we're with you for the full hour on Sportsnet 360. All right. Coming up this hour, Jesse's going to have the latest from the Canadian Open and the Live Golf Invitational in Thank Golf It's Friday. Mm. James Sharman joining me to discuss what's been a dramatic week for Canada soccer. We begin this hour, though, with... Baseball: The Blue Jays opening a series with the Tigers tonight in Detroit. Jose Barrios getting the start for the Jays, coming off a 13 strikeout performance Saturday against his former club, the Twins. Jays' top prospect, Gabriel Moreno, joining the team. Not yet activated, he's not in the lineup tonight. Let's show you who will be featuring in tonight's lineup. George Springer leading off, playing center field. He'll be followed by Bo Bichette and Vladdy, who's DHing. Tiasco Hernandez in the cleanup spot, and then it's red-hot Alejandro Kirk is going to be behind the plate to catch Berrios as usual. Espinal in sixth, Gurriel Jr. in seventh, Matt Chapman, excuse me, Matt Chapman in seventh, Gurriel in eighth, and Kevin Biggio ninth, and he is playing first. But all the talk still about Moreno speaking before the game about what it'll take from him to learn how to catch the Jays starters. Just want
5: to start... Uh, working with our pitching staff, learning from them uh, what they like to throw in certain situations not. Uh,
0: so that's going to be my the, 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 my priority right now, uh, have a great communication, uh, establish a re- good relationship with all, all the pitching staff and
5: uh, from whenever the, the moment comes, uh, I'm ready and I don't make uh, mistakes, uh, I just want to be, like I said, prepared and ready for whenever the moment of the call is to me for me to be behind the play i'm in the same page with all the,
0: the pitching staff
1: we're going to talk baseball uh with blake in a hot second but first game for the nba finals also going down tonight in boston the celtics leading the series 2-1 after injuring his foot late in game three Steph curry took part the shoot around earlier he will play tonight steve Kerr says no restrictions curry leading the warriors with 31 points in game three but scored just two points in the fourth quarter so let's bring in Blake Murphy, the guy who does everything yes, here at Sportsnet, and he's got his own show right now as well, J-Talk Plus, Three to 3-5 Eastern on uh, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Uh, let's start with the basketball expertise sure. in you, and we're going to bring in Mark Spears in a sec as well. Curry, limited or not, he is the key to this Warriors team getting back in this, right?
7: It's all they have yeah. right now, and I know that's not completely true. Wiggins has been solid yep. still. Clay Thompson hit his threes last game, but you look and the secondary scoring game to game, you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know what Clay has game to game. Draymond has as many fouls as he has points, which Draymond doesn't have to score to to impact the game,
1: but he hasn't been in the ways that we expect Draymond to be. Yeah, he's
7: lost that balance of how much Draymond is is too much Draymond. So uh, that's been tough. And and this is is a huge legacy series for Steph where it's almost all upside because if he gets this team to a championship – I mean, he's the unquestioned finals MVP. He's the uh, It's unquestioned, like, he kind of pulled them there. He yeah. willed them there. You see those stats right there. Um, at least five threes in every game, too. And and Boston's Boston's letting him go a little bit in order to kind of shut the faucet off on yeah. everyone else. Yeah. But these have not been easy 34, no, 29, and 31 they point haven't. nights.
1: All right, let's bring in uh, Mark Spears to join the conversation as well. Mark, I'll ask you. Something along the lines of what Blake said, is this a legacy-defining series uh, for Steph Curry, despite the accolades he's already racked up?
5: Well, it certainly basically adds a final piece to his puzzle, Mm -hmm. and that's uh, being NBA Finals MVP if they win it. Um, He has not been that, but he's been everything else. He's been a champion, MVP of the league, Olympic gold medalist, all this, all that. That's that's the only thing left. I, I think his legacy is fine. But I think if he were to land this honor, get another championship that puts him in a different stratosphere in terms of uh, NBA greats. I think he's there now, but it certainly cements it stronger to be alongside Jordan, be alongside LeBron, be alongside Magic. Kareem having four titles makes you uh, gives you some swag, and also that MVP trophy that most NBA players can't can't say they have
7: Mark when you look at the secondary scoring around Steph in this series it's been a little bit of a tough playoff run for Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins has at times stepped up but who are you looking for if Steph's not 100% to to carry a little bit more of this load for him tonight
5: well either one of those two or uh, Jordan Poole Uh, uh, you know Jordan Poole was a sensational scorer for most of the playoffs and been pretty much absent so far. Really struggled. Seems like he's in awe the moment. Uh, they definitely could use a, a boost from him and a breakthrough game from him tonight. Uh, in terms of Wiggins, um, not really worried about him because he has to expend so much energy defensively uh, guarding Jason Tatum, guarding Jalen Brown. If he could give him 18 minutes, again, 18 points a game based on everything else he has to do, I, I respect that. And then Clay has been hit and miss as well uh due to his injury um just really don't know what you're going to get from him he he had a pretty good game last game um but for the most part it's it's been up and down with him and i think it's because there's just not a lot of time off between games and when you have had those two injuries like that i think the the best of clay thompson's probably coming next season
7: this is uh not necessarily going to help in on the scoring side but when you look at what boston's been able to do on the glass um, you know Draymond hasn't had quite a Draymond level series could you see Steve Kerr leaning on Looney a little bit more the rest of the way in this series
5: I think he has to yeah. this, is, this is where they certainly miss James Wiseman um, I, I, I wonder what it would have been like if that kid could have come back but you know they might as well get a couch and sit in the lane because they're really enjoying themselves uh, the Celtics uh, in the lane against the, the Warriors I and mean, they destroyed them in the paint And they got a bunch of second-chance points. Uh, It was, was, you know, this is the first time they really imposed their will with their size. You're talking about a team that was 21st in the NBA uh, during the regular season in terms of uh, points in the paint. or or, You know, this this is a perimeter team. But they figured it out that they basically can do what they want in the post, when they want, and, uh, uh, you know, forget the three, the percentage of, of scoring in the post and getting a perhaps a uh, you know a free throw foul on it is is high. So I I don't blame them for leaning on that and figuring it out.
1: Is there something you're seeing that's tangibly different about the Celtics in the fourth quarter versus the third quarter? It's been crazy to see how different it's been.
5: Uh, I go game to game with them, man. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that certainly I think misses some veteran um, guidance in the fourth quarter. They you know when you look at those kobe teams and Shaq early teams when they won titles they were blessed to have guys like ron harper you know brian shaw rick fox the og so to speak that could help calm things down um help them score a bucket when they need run down the clock and and basically get that dennis eckersley save right um now it's it's just hit and miss with them and uh but that you know when they have the big lead that 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 guidance doesn't matter but i i feel like these games the rest of the way are going to continue to be intense if not get more intense and and be much closer which could have an impact on on the final outcome because i i just don't think they have that guidance right now that they need and perhaps something that's a uh perhaps that's their biggest weakest link is just they're so young
7: when you look at the boston side of things and al Horford, what he's been able to bring from a veteran side and I, I know last game was a little up up and down for him really strong first half really shaky second half but how impressed are you at the level he's been able to take his game to especially defensively as these playoffs go along
5: yeah man he must be eating that Dominican sancocho before the games <laughs> man because he's, he's been getting that fountain of youth he's been playing great um, really really good story for him in the Dominican Republic uh, they, they haven't had anybody in the finals before and if they could hoist that trophy up, trust me, he's going to have a flag ready to go. A very, very proud player who actually before making the finals, he was the NBA's uh, active leader in games played without making the finals. So I'm I'm sure he's glad to get that over with. Um, I'm hearing in the Dominican Republic every night. It's a big, big party, and they have a large Dominican community in Boston as well. So I know with every game, I mean, this isn't uh, Ortiz from the Red Sox, but this is certainly a, a big, big moment for him in this country.
1: Ime Adoka, as a coach, have you been impressed with him so far? I mean, hard not to be, right?
5: Oh, my goodness. Uh, super impressed. Yeah. You know, this is a first-year coach who, basically, if you look at it, from January 1st on, he's coached the Celtics to the best record in the league. A phenomenal job. And I think he pushes buttons in the right way. He gets these guys to the best of their ability. He, he tells Jalen, I need more. He tells... Uh, Jason, that, you know, you are a top five player in this league, and I expect you to play that way. And he's, he's pushing them to greatness. He hasn't coached a championship team, but he's been in the finals as a coach before. So I, I think um, Doc Rivers told me he could have, you know, been coach of the year. He's, he's done an amazing job. And uh, I, I wonder if, um, you know, the, the, when, when this is all said and done, if the Celtics do win, we better give him his just due there's not many rookie head coaches can do this it's
1: tight there eh? in the media room in the finals eh? it's back to like being as busy as people behind you backpacks on your face or come on don't they know you're on no respect
5: respect. he don't care
1: how's how's, it doesn't care how's it been for you to be back in the environment like you like you're used to in the toronto you know warrior series back in the day what's it been like
5: Oh man, you know I covered the, the Celtics from 2007 to 2009 with yeah. the Boston Globe. Uh, if you look at that video, anything is possible. Um, hold on, I'm gonna tell us. Got to be a little quiet. I'm live on TV. If you can five seconds, brother. You want to talk to the people in in Canada. All right, thank you. Uh, <laughs> that was his moment. That was it. He yeah, had it. Yeah. He had a moment, yeah. man. Yeah, no. When I when I covered them before. Um, it was great to be amongst that championship yeah. and and be around Garnett, but be behind garnett when he said anything is possible <laughs> and it's been 14 years since they've been able to do that uh, win a championship and they want to get that 18th banner and they want to pass up the lakers and so there, there's quietly a lot of pressure on this team to to get that get that ring
1: mark I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you always making time, though. You're one of the best to ever talk to. And so enjoy the game tonight. And uh, hopefully we yeah, get to speak gonna soon, fun. man.
5: I'm going to make a new friend and introduce myself to him. <laughs> I know he's, he's kind of irritated. Like, who the hell is this dude? Right? Uh,
1: so. Tell him apologies from all of Canada. That's kind of what we're used all right. to. Thank Thanks, you. Mark.
5: All right, peace. <laughs> so
1: That's yeah. great, man. That's the, you know, Listen, I, I remember the Raptors finals run. And the amount of media that show up, messo- understandably, It's a lot. It's a lot. I'm
7: surprised that's where your mind went because when he got in the shot there, my mind went to you behind Sean McKenzie (laughs) and getting escorted out by security. I'm like, man, (laughs) where's Mark Spears' security detail keeping the fazels of the world out of the background Uh, of the shot?
1: (laughs) Nah, man. Sorry, Mark. Don't got it like me. That's okay. (laughs) Uh, Stick around and talk baseball on the other side. All right. That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to have some highlights as well from the Canadian Open. Jesse will have that and the Live Golf Invitational. Excuse me. Plus, we'll find out how he spent his day at St. George's yesterday. Thank golf, it's Friday. Let's go. Up next. We're back here on Tim and Friends. Faze Gamisa, Blake Murphy, Jesse Rubinoff here as well. Jesse, I'm going to defer to you right now because it is... What I imagine is your favorite time of the week. It's a big day today. Uh, Why don't you just set it up? Why why don't you just go? Okay, fine. I'll I'll
2: take it from here. I'll take the reins. you want to throw over the ball? Yes, I do.
1: Oh, Oh, that's a bad throw, but nice catch. I got it.
2: Thank you. Nobody on camera saw it. That's great. Beautiful. You see that little thing, that little logo at the bottom there? Uh, That's because this is Thank Golf. It's Friday. Brought to you by Golf Town for the first week. We have it. Golf Town. Uh, And we had, yes, round of applause. Thank you. Uh, We had a a phenomenal time down at the RBC Canadian Open yesterday. Uh, It was the course was in great shape the sun was shining and the spectators were very friendly to us Uh, Lots of friends of the show were in attendance and many of them wanted to take the time to answer some of my golf Related questions, so here's a snippet of that Only in Canada Do you come to a golf tournament? And get to sit on a Zamboni Welcome to the RBC Canadian Open. What is your biggest pet peeve? on the golf course.
3: Definitely slow play. Stepping on lines and slow play would be like my top.
2: Too many practice swings. I'm gonna go with when someone takes more than three practice swings and then they top it, you know, and they top it 10 yards. Iron cover guy. You got your 1986 Ben Hogan clubs, you got iron covers on top, that's that's no good, bud. Did you Call the person out for iron covers. No, but definitely judging him.
1: <laughs> I would say you talking on my backswing, yeah, mainly.
2: Yeah, that's his excuse. That's been his excuse his whole life. So, what's an ideal time to play eighteen holes for you?
3: Four and a half hours or less. Love that. I would love
2: to be at his golf course if he was running the golf course. Like the marshal comes down, he rolls by your group. Says, guys, you know you're falling behind pace here. You got to pick it up a little bit. Like who's the one who's taking responsibility? And it's like. It's just like okay,
1: yeah. Our show, we're just having fun out here. I'm here okay. for the
4: beers. I'm here oh, yeah. with the beers.
2: You know which uh, trend that I don't like that I see on social media a lot of the time is is driving golf carts into other people or driving golf carts on purpose into the water. Like, what are we doing here? For the boys! Oh my God!
5: Saturday is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have some sympathy. For coarse property managers like this man who's gotta clean up after you. So it's enough with that stuff, okay? Is there a, a, a favorite golf movie that you have?
6: Classic like Happy Gilmore, Caddyshack.
2: What is it about uh, Happy Gilmore that, that makes it your favorite? Just the violence. The price is wrong, it's all in the hips. <laughs> all sway together. All, the- all sway together. It's all in the hips doing? What are we doing? Seriously, seriously. I thought we were supposed to be at a golf course. And here I am playing with the Zamboni. This is golf. As you can see, as you can see, we had a, a good time I'm down great, at the man. RBC Canadian Open at uh, St. George's. Uh, second round action, par four fifth. Cam Smith, 78 yards to the pin. That is bottom of the cup for Eagle. The fans love it. The spectators. Smith, bounce back day for him, shoots 565. Here's Dylan Fratelli, tee shot on the par 3, 16th, also known as the rink, which we had some fun at yesterday, gets it uh, in close there, nice shot. And on his way to the green, he said the African throws on, look at that jersey, a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. And There's an Fratelli obvious joke
1: here, right? We all have it, sinks right? Sinks the birdie
2: putt. now that's yeah, probably why he wore it, right? All right. Yeah, it's okay. a little, oh, that's a low fist pump, uh, that looks awfully familiar there. Low. He's been watching some <laughs> highlights of Austin Matthews <laughs> as Dylan Fratelli. Very well done. Uh, par 4-4. Four, four. Dundas. Oh, that's Dundas, Ontario's Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, and I said yesterday, the rough was pretty significant. It looked, golfers are just like us. Double bogeys. Falls to one under. Par 4-5. Listowel Ontario's Corey Connors from 81 yards out. Ball hits the flag. Manages to stay on the fringe and would later make par. Some tough luck there. Par 5-9. Abbotsford BC's Adam Hadwin. Eagle attempt from 29 feet out, gets it to drop, moves him to two under par, par three, 13th. Another Abbotsford native, Nick Taylor. Nice little baby fade there on the tee shot. Later birdies moves to four under par, and you see there on the uh, scoreboard, that is not Wendell Clark, that's Wyndham Clark. That's seven under, currently uh, in the lead. Rory McIlroy, the defending champion from 2019 at Hamilton, just won back after a second round. 68. We are going to live golf. In case you heard, this is a thing. You heard? the Yeah? You guys you guys got this? Yeah, live, heard, live heard golf. About Yeah, I yeah, okay. yeah, heard about uh, it. Round two, that's Phil Mickelson in the bushes on the par 3 11th. Hits the flag, just stays on the green. What's with the guys hitting the, the pin and getting some bad luck, but looking to save par, drops it in there after starting the day at one under. Nicholson finishes at four over. Not a great day. His High Flyers. That's the team name. 13 shots back in the lead. Thinking about his life choices there. Maybe part 5 15. Dustin Johnson. Second shot from the fairway. Gets it to land softly onto the green. He would eagle the hole. Finishes one under his four aces team. 11 shots back. What do we think of these team names? What do we think of these team names, boys? Yeah,
1: pretty bad. (laughs) Later
2: on the part 3 11. (laughs) the Stingers, Henny Duplessis. That's a pretty nice shot. Good for birdie, finishes three shots back in the lead, trailing his teammate, Charles Schwartzel, on the same hole. Drains one of his seven birdies on the day, finishes nine under par, three strokes up on the individual lead. The Stingers go into the final round with a seven stroke lead. What exactly are we doing here, boys?
7: So am I understanding this right, that there's the, individual leaderboard and then like a constructors cup kind of thing for the team level.
3: Thank Golf It's Friday brought to you by Golf Town. We believe adventure starts at the first tee. So come out and play.
2: So that's basically what it is. It's sort of like a, a constructors championship. I do believe they are changing the teams. They do a redraw every Like how they pick every, the team, right? Event. Like there's no way some got, some of those guys are gonna play with each other, right? That, that's another thing too that was really weird. Is they did the draft in private. They released the, the, the surprise that seem, for, surprise for a tour that's supposed oh, to be louder no. and more Real exciting. Sketchy and stuff, details that seems like about a very, what's going on. Right, it feels like a, a very easy way to get engagement up, and they did it in private. Can stuff. we get some
7: golf-related
2: team names too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fly well, well the flying, aces is flying aces. Yeah. Not great, yeah. to yes. be honest.
1: All of it's pretty bad. All of it yes. is pretty bad. Um, I've never golfed before. Can I just admit Ever, that freely on life? this show in my life? I've never well, golfed before. Look,
2: we're changing that. We are going to change that as part of Thank Golf It's Friday. Yeah. Why don't we say sponsored it right by Golf now? Town. Yep. Why don't we say it sponsored by Golf Town? Yeah. Why don't we say it right now okay. that for a segment on Thank Golf It's Friday in the future, yeah, we'll be out there on the links.
1: I like that. Yeah, actually, that's a lie. I've golfed a, a single time in my life at Top Golf. With and watch this transition, Chaufco. then yeah, Texas fine. Ranger Joey Gallo. Wow, in uh in Vegas for some PR stuff I was doing with them and Sportsnet. Uh, which leads me to some baseball talk with you, nice. Blake. It's we have you here, by the way, Jesse. That looks super fun, you did a great job. Thank you. I don't Thank know why you, you're Jesse. on a Zamboni when the whole golf course is there. <laughs> but it's all good, <laughs> we move on. Idiot. Um, Blake, host of J Stock Plus on Sportsnet 590, the fan Gabby Moreno hype. Give it to me, man, give me all of it. Yeah, so Moreno's. Coming
7: in, he's going he's gonna to start tomorrow, it sounds like yeah. uh, Arash said he's going to catch Kevin Gosman. So this is a kid who, first of all, he's the second youngest catcher at AAA. Yeah. That lets you know how advanced he is at 22. Coming up as a catcher at 22 is difficult. Um, there's a huge mental component in addition to just the physical component of you're going to face harder pitching, you're going to catch tougher pitching. No one in AAA is throwing that splitter from Gosman that he's going to catch For tomorrow. Sure. For sure. Uh, so there's a lot on his plate. And I think that's why they called him up a little early, give him a full day to kind of get acclimated, learn Gosman, learn, learn the process. Uh, at the plate, though, this is a guy with a lot of bat to ball skill, very athletic by the standards of a catcher. So you're going to see his his swing decisions have improved over the course of the year. He had yeah. 324 down at AAA. But this is a guy who could reach out and get it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's you exciting. get yeah. some of the no, 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 yes swings. (laughs) with him and then he has the athletic ability like the bat speed's really good Uh, he can steal a base which is a lot of fun. He controls the running game well, and then also steals the base himself. I love it. We got to come up it. with some Jays Talk Plus metric for like net stolen bases. <laughs> He's going to be the only catcher That's stealing. That's so good. So we, we got to come up with something so to just good. make him look even better because there there
1: aren't many catchers out there running the bases. Successful stolen bases versus how many guys you've thrown out. There's a very something like that. you know very few amount of people in baseball that will yeah. actually even qualify to be part of that. They won't be negative at least uh, yeah. in that capacity, which is great. All right, we have a couple minutes here. Uh, since you're here, and since you're a big numbers guy, and that's my way of saying you're smart, not a nerd. Um, <laughs> I'm a nerd. It's yeah, okay, fine. Uh, Tony LaRusso. Huh. Tony LaRusso, what are the numbers around one and two counts and deciding to intentionally walk someone and getting it thrown into your face? Because yes. right now, 100%. So
7: I haven't looked up the numbers no, uh, I of exactly that what it's like. Of course, like, of course. But the explanation after that, oh, Trey Turner hits well in one, two counts give me a break like you are not <laughs> first of all you're not telling your pitchers to intentionally avoid getting two strikes on this guy <laughs> yeah exactly so why would That's, your strategy man, then you. be thank you once you have two strikes thank on, you he also did this thing where he referenced max muncie's stats against lefties this year which is a really small sample and then he referenced trey turner's like three year sample in one and two counts He's, he's all over the place. He doesn't know what he's looking up. Someone handed Is him it? one of those color-coded uh, split sheets or, or he had the wrong page of the
1: iPad open or something. It's just uh, own the mistake, Tony. Have you developed a metric yet for manager games one slash loss in baseball? Like, What do you think the value is of a manager right now in that sport? Point. It's not huge. Right. Uh, over the course of the season, like, all these
7: micro decisions feel like a lot, right? You yeah. use the wrong reliever here. Yeah. You don't pinch hit here. It does feel like a lot. But over the course of 162, we're talking, like, maybe a win, win and a half. Um, <laughs> and it, it's one of those things where, like, because we only notice the mistakes, you don't notice the regular things. Right. It's also really hard to quantify, like – you, you were at the opener. The Jays coaching staff goes all the way down the third baseline out to the left field wall. There's that many people coaching, and the front office has input and stuff like that. Um, I think at this point, it's shared credit and blame, but a manager like Charlie Montoyo, you're looking at how do you keep the room loose when things are bad? How do you yeah. keep everyone focused when things are good? That, to me, is probably the most... The, the thing you can touch the most with a manager in 2022, and that's why Joe Madden in a 12-game losing streak where so, yeah. guys are trying nickelback to break up the vibes, that's where you kind of can be like, okay, he lost the thread there. It wasn't that he went to his seventh-inning reliever in the eighth inning and it backfired.
1: That's Blake Murphy, J-Stock Plus, Sportsnet 590 Fan, 3 to 5 Eastern time on your weekdays, also on the morning show. Also does the Raptor Show with Willu every now and then, and happy to join us here on Tim & Friends. All right, for those watching on Sportsnet, Blue J Central is up next, ahead of the opener against the Tigers. Everyone else, Tim & Friends continues on Sportsnet 360. We're chatting with James Sherman in 60.
7: A huge story coming out of Vancouver. On Sunday.
6: And it is not good news for the beautiful game in this country. The Canadian men's soccer team refusing to play their World Cup warm-up match against Panama Sunday, the team also refusing to train on Friday and Saturday due to a dispute with Soccer Canada.
3: If we as an association only have the men's team and the women's team to take care of and nothing else could still not afford this proposal. It is untenable
1: as written. This will have turned off some soccer fans from this team, at least right now.
6: There's still no agreement between Canada's men's soccer team and Canada soccer, but the match will go on Thursday versus Kira South.
4: These boys are fighting for something more than just you know, putting pay in their pockets. They're looking for leaving a legacy. You know, hopefully we can get on the pitch and start inspiring people again. Hopefully, you know, people can forget about what happened and hopefully step forward. Bans, they've all turned up tonight, and they've been great. I mean, what a treat. What a treat it
1: was to have actual gameplay from Canada soccer mm-hmm. for the first time since they qualified for the World Cup. It's been a long, it's been a tumultuous, it's been a divisive week for the sport in this country and the men's team and the CSA. But... For 90 minutes at least on Thursday, got to focus on some of the game. Let's go over everything that went down with one of my good friends, James Sharman, who we're happy to have join us. James, you know, this this feels appearance-wise reminiscent of years past when all we did about when we talked about Canada soccer was talk about the bad, man. And I don't want to do that to start. So we're going to talk about how nice it was at least for a couple hours to have that team on the field. And credit to John Herdman for having them ready to play against Curacao.
0: Yeah, it was nice, wasn't it? I mean, it wasn't a packed stadium by any stretch, but it never was going to be for Carousel, mm-hmm. who's not a great, great team, let's be honest here. But, um, you know, I think we wouldn't have been that surprised if it was a flat performance, given what's happened the last couple of weeks, first with the Iran game uh, and then what happened this you know, last week or so in the Panama game. But it, I think we, we almost forgot how this team got this far to begin with. And that's through that great spirit. Yeah. Team spirit. That brotherhood, as I keep saying. Um, So they showed up and they played a really good game, uh, full of intensity, full of great pace. Fonzie was fantastic. You know, it all went well. And if you could forget about the previous 10 days or so, you know, it was as if nothing changed from the qualifying campaign, apart from, of course, Alfonso Davis back in the starting 11. So I, I thought it was overall, all things considered, a really positive positive night for Canadian football, and boy, did did we need it.
1: Yeah, but the word you touched on there is brotherhood, and it's that brotherhood that's led this team to make the decision they did to not play against Panama, to, you know, have the certain demands that they want to have that led CSA President Dr. Nick Bontis to... Have that press conference where there was some outrage there as well. What would you make of everything that went down, especially Sunday when it went from the excitement of potentially having this game after the first one in itself was called off to ending with a press conference that had everybody up in arms?
0: Yeah, it was really surreal. And, I mean, it made international sporting headlines. You know, the BBC, Sky Sports, uh, Rye, they all covered this. Whenever a team refuses to play, over labor issues it makes the press unfortunately um it it surprised me um it kind of came very quickly right it's not 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 much as mentioned about any negotiations yeah, or, yeah. or a labor dispute that out of nowhere boom this happens um you know I, I think and i mentioned it before the default setting for most canadian soccer fans is to blame canada soccer right uh, and you know they're responsible simple. it's not that simple no, at no. all Faisal. and in previous years maybe it has been you know there's been some bad times for for canadian soccer and the governing body hasn't treated the players very well in this occasion i think there was some real misunderstanding um on the players part um there wasn't much transparency on their part. they they asked for transparency on canada soccer's part but we're still you know waiting to find out what the demands actually were we've heard through third parties what we think they were Um, but yeah it was all a real black eye i think for the sport and and as, as you kind of alluded to at the top there Faisal. um people over here they, they, they do love to bash on soccer right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we saw some of those old haters coming to the surface once again which, which really saddened me although I wasn't that surprised to be no. honest with you um, but yeah it's a black eye and hopefully things are moving forward now I understand they are yeah the players have now a representation which probably should have happened from day one and they've been told the way things lie and, and I think there will be a deal at some point
1: how realistic though is the deal going to be at least how close it will be to the one that the players actually want. Because, again, it feels as if financially it's not that stable of a deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, if, if the players ask was 40 net yeah. just for the men, which is what we've heard, yep. um, and, and the yep. players haven't refuted that just yet, um, then it's going to be a long way from that because yep. there will be pay equity. The women's side will get the same money, not the same percentage, the same money as the men's side. That is non-negotiable. That's going to happen. So from there, you've got to figure out how much that means then for the men. The 30-30-40 uh, split is what Canada Soccer first proposed. I-, I assume there's a little bit of wiggle room in there, I'm sure. But if, if they come out of this with a 35-35-30, it, it wouldn't surprise me at yeah. all.
1: Okay. What did you like on the field yesterday? I, I was Again, I was so happy to see them actually come about their business. Adrian Buchanan on the right, Davies on the left, then swapping sides. Like It felt like you said, like this was the best team in CONCACAF all over again. And I was happy to see
0: that. You know, Faisal, it, it reminded me just how good Funzi is. Oh, man, right? You know? I, Not I mean, that we need that often, silly. but when, no. you don't,
1: when you don't see him for a few months, at least in the country red, uh, you can forget,
0: right? We, we see him, obviously, at Bayern Munich doing great things the last few weeks of the season. Um, but... Against a, a poor team in Curaçao, you just see how good this guy is. He just dominated, especially in the first half. Uh, down that, that left side with Sam Adekubi, who, who once again just is such a fun player to watch. So and then switching so to the right. They're just
1: flopping, you know, switching roles with him as well, with Sam Adekubi taking the overlap. And Davies playing, the, you know, the yeah. left back position, which he's very capable of doing, which you see at Bayern. Man, it felt complete.
0: it it really did you know and uh you know cutting through the middle as well taking players on one on one he looks so dynamic and as much as Canada was really great without him in his qualifying for half of the games don't forget um are so much better with him and that sounds obvious but they really are he offers an element that they just don't have otherwise and I tell you what if you are Belgium or Croatia watching that and they were watching that game don't don't kid yourself you understand that it's Curacao and you understand how good Belgium and Croatia are, but they're concerned. They're concerned about the threat Alfonso Davis poses and Sam Adakubi and Tajan Buchan and Alistair Johnson. They have got these great wide players right now, uh for, for Canada who I imagine they'll be the starting, you know, four in those positions yeah. uh, come World Cup time. <laughs> Boy, it was fun to watch, you know. But again, I don't want to pour cold water on it. No is not a good team. No, they're not. Um, they're not. But they're not Horrendous. They're right they're on really the cusp horrendous. of
1: being amongst the, you know, top eight, six teams in CONCACAF right now. They're right there when it came to that final World Cup qualifying spot. They're not there yet, but they also beat <laughs> they Honduras. They beat Honduras. They beat, they beat Honduras. Honduras. They beat yeah, Honduras. Yeah. There you go. Um you mentioned. I don't know. Yeah, you
0: know Sorry. I was talking to Craig Forrest about this earlier today because during, during pre qualifying a lot of Canadian fans were terrified of some of the games they're facing, right, against these low, low oh, Caribbean my God. and Central American teams, right? Yes. Yeah. So, right? and it was never an issue. They smashed these teams, <laughs> and even last night, Craig. I was like, hey, he's a little bit nervous. Like, come on, man! Come on. I was too. James,
1: this. when you have 30 years of something versus 10 months, like you're <laughs> ingrained to think about the last, uh, the the one that you have more of than the latter, no, right? And so things go, have changed, man. though. Let, let things have changed. Um, you talked about the four wing players, and that doesn't even include Richie Larea, who came on, could be playing Premier League ball next year with Nottingham Forest if some transfer rumors uh, that we saw are true. Man, again, the depth of this team, at least on that wide position. It feels so great to see. But any issues with Jonathan David? I know the tail end of his league end season was a bit disappointing versus the start. He had such a great, great start leading that league in goals for, for a lot of that season as well. Any concern with him not being able to find the back of the net over the last bit of the season?
0: Not for me. Listen, yeah. no, we know how good he is. Yeah. We know he's going to score goals. Um, you put yourself in his shoes. He's at Lil. A team that struggled for much of this season. Um, A team that's going to have a fire sale this offseason, including himself. Lots of rumors about him going to the Premier League to big clubs for big money. It's got a way on a young player's shoulders. It, it, it just does. He's going to wrap up his business pretty early in this summer, I think. I think so, and too, And find, yeah. find a new club. And I think he will, whether that's Arsenal or Tottenham or I heard Manchester United this week, you know, who, who knows? I know you really love that, Faisal, so calm down. Um, it, it might not happen, but it's going to be a Premier League team, I think. And uh, he'll be just fine. Now, he is still going to be the main goal threat for this team uh, moving forward. And we, we'll forget all about this slow end yeah. of the season for him
1: there is some depth there as well right up front Lucas Cavallini's like impressively had a good you know last few weeks in his MLS yeah. and now national team season as well and an important goal for him right? yeah um, yeah he almost, he's,
0: he's almost a forgotten man yep. tying, you know Kyle Lahren and then Luca Koliashu gets called up you know future forward as well so I think for, for Lucas Cavallini who's a good player you know he's proven it not most of most of his career but had a couple of off seasons it's fair to say and now he's very much in the shadow him to score a goal I thought it was really important, you know, and he still got, he could still be a key member, I think, of his squad, certainly going into the World Cup. Uh, you mentioned Laren. Uh,
1: <laughs> how quickly do you think he just let Davies take that penalty? I'm sure there was a bit of a conversation <laughs> there. You saw what Davies was mouthing to him, but that's Laren's spot, man.
0: It is, absolutely. But uh, there's no way Fonzie was going to turn that down, no. right? At home. Essentially, in BC <laughs> Stadium the first time since 2018 and the Whitecaps, there's no way he was going to give that ball over. So uh, yeah. they made the right choice in the end. And I'm sure, hey, listen, they're, they're brothers, as they keep saying, right? <laughs> and they'd be happy to donate the ball and, and, and a goal and pad those stats.
1: Uh, James, man, always appreciate you, man. Thank you for always making time. Thank you for your perspective. And, hey, first time I hosted this show was with you in this studio. I don't know if you remember. We stole everything uh, from the back, but I got invited back. I remember. uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, we stole the gear, didn't
1: we? Yeah, we did. (laughs) I
0: I still got some, actually, in my basement.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. They've been asking, but it's all good. (laughs) Yeah, James, appreciate you, man. Cheers, mate. Yeah. All right, time for one final break here on Tim and Friends. Last Call with Jesse Rubinoff is coming up next I'm trying to think about what I took. And if I ever brought it back, I didn't. It's time for Last Call here on Tim and Friends. Thanks everyone for uh, welcoming me into your television lives on this Friday. Jesse, it's time for you to take us home. It's Last Call. you done a great job today, friend. Yeah, you got well, that ball see, still, yeah? Okay, see. here we go. Oh, we're good. Soft hands, man. We're good. We're practice.
2: Uh, I got some uh, breaking news from Adrian Wojnarowski. Okay, he he tends to. That's his thing. That's his thing. Yeah. The Sacramento Kings have agreed to a deal to hire Jay Triano as an assistant coach on Mike Brown's new staff. Uh, Jay Triano, the former national team. Coach for the men's basketball team, the former Raptors head coach, the okay. former Phoenix Suns head coach. So congratulations. Everywhere, man. He's been everywhere. Congratulations in order for uh, Jay Triano. Shout out Jay Triano. Another Canadian in the mix in the NBA. They had one, in Roy Rana as well before yeah. he went to go coach the Egyptian Canadian national in team. Good basketball so. content on the show today. Yep. As we should, if man. There's, a, so ton, there's a ton happening every day in this country. Uh, okay, uh, let's get on with uh, last call here. A couple who are self-described huge Disney fans okay. made an interesting choice uh, with their wedding. The couple claims they had their dream wedding at Disney, but they skipped the catering, meaning no food in favor of spending for Mickey and Minnie Mouse to appear at the wedding. Let me repeat that for a second. No food at the wedding in favor of spending $5,500 for Mickey and Minnie Mouse to appear at the wedding. Your thoughts on that decision making?
1: You You know what I would have done with this wedding invite? You would have thrown it in the garbage. Would have let it go. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Come on, man.
2: Oh my goodness. I don't really talk there. Oh wow. You you talked right over that. No, that's (laughs) just uh, that's just that's pathetic. I have a follow-up
1: tweet. Yeah, okay. I have a follow-up tweet. Were there official like Mickey and Minnie people that they needed to get? Like you couldn't just get a costume and you know, also feed your guests? I mean, I I I'm I'm thinking like maybe
2: there was a large uh contingent of of children at the wedding, maybe they have a lot of family and friends who have a lot of kids or something, or they're just big Mickey I, and Minnie fans.
1: Which, I had a friend that know, whatever floats your boat. I had a friend that got proposed to at Disney World, yeah, but not planning a wedding around the theme of Disney World. But I, yeah. you know, the funny thing is, I don't imagine there are a lot of people that were hungry because I don't imagine these two people have tons of friends. <laughs>
2: That's very good. Given their that's why they didn't need the food. Uh, they wedding theme here. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had eight people that's there. Just me, that's just me. Those that's eight exactly. people are starving, though. Very One good.
1: large pizza, though. Everyone's, everyone's so fed, good. man.
2: Uh, here's the uh, follow-up tweet if we want to take the computer. Uh, imagine sitting at a table with no food
1: watching two weirdos in
2: costumes <laughs> pose for pictures nah, man, with that's Mickey what I'm and Minnie Mouse uh, shack face there.
1: Nah, the tweets were great when I saw this this week. and yeah. like, nah, man.
2: All right, that's uh, one fun story down here on last call. Let's get some one. A diehard Rangers fan, Jimmy Fallon, got a little wacky last night. Fallon dipped his hot dog in beer, then proceeded to yeah. uh, wolf it down or chug it. Uh,
1: does this count as a chugged beer? I mean, Oh, my God, I'm getting, spilled I'm getting Disney hate in the mentions right no. now. Yeah, I got a oh friend that's a diehard Disney fan, but I don't think he's going to have Mickey and Minnie. No, Listen, no. Lawrence, if you're watching, Mickey and Minnie, are they coming to your wedding? No, that's not a far. chug beer, by the way. And I don't know what Jimmy Fallon's doing. I think this was the exact moment when I was like, all right, yeah, Tampa in six because my guy, what are you saying? I'm confused about Fallon. Do you know who he For spilled his beer on, by the way? Like, Who was it? McEnroe, in, in, in a row ahead of him. He he got probably, the yeah, splash. To, sure got the asked.
2: splash, man. I'm sure he asked because you don't want to be.
1: Can a, I spill dude. beer on you? Yeah. Didn't he look like to. he asked with the apology that to. I saw after, man. That was yeah, whack. That's man. wrong. What'd but you,
2: how can you be such a big um, Boston Red Sox fan you, know, you had that that movie yeah. fever pitch? How yeah. can you be a Red Sox fan and a Rangers fan? Don't those two things work? In New I York. Work Boston? in New York, right?
1: So you're just New acclimating York, yourself to the city. And so he's faking the Rangers fan. He's faking something. Right. That's faking something there, man. Should have sounded
2: similar. No, that's yeah. It it's whack. All right. Not, not, not Taylor Lewin, uh, who's the, the king of chugging beards. That was not a great performance from Palo no, Alto. Okay. No. Uh, just days after it was reported that LeBron James has reached billionaire status, LeBron made some interesting comments on the latest episode of the show. Uh, here's, or the shot. Here's King James on his desires for the future. I want to a team. Buy a team? Yeah, I want to
5: buy a team. That's it. There, sure. there you go. Buying a right. team and then talking is a little tricky. Uh, so if you own the team and like. Yeah, I would much rather own the team before I talk. I want, yeah, I want a team in Vegas. Good for you. Oh,
2: yeah. my God. <laughs> I want a team in Vegas. Okay, a team in Vegas. So uh, currently on the Lakers, but wants to own the team in uh, Vegas when he's done. Uh, would LeBron make a good team owner in your
1: estimation? I think so. I feel like he would. He's already. I'm not even going to say what I tweeted yesterday when I saw this story. When I said, oh, didn't he already own a team, uh, the Raptors and all those playoffs? I I guess I said it. I guess I said it. (laughs) I guess I said it. Uh, I think LeBron would be a good owner because here's a guy that knows this sport. Wants, you know, to fight for the players to earn as much as they can. He'd be a little different voice than some of the old head owners we have Mm. in sports in general. And he's done it all in this league. And so Michael Jordan did it. I don't know. You would consider his tenure as owner of the Charlotte Hornets a success or not? By the way, they hired a new coach, looks like Kenny Atkinson. Yeah. But, have a seat at the table? That's a pretty big deal.
2: The thing is, he's already a meddler. In, the, in what the GM does. You can you imagine him as the team owner? Now he's meddling in yeah. uh, the concession prices. He'd actually be owner prices. and GM and yeah. president of basketball ops. And He'd have his hands full on that yeah. one for sure. That's a good point.
1: <laughs> That's actually a really good point.
2: <laughs> According to uh, Forbes, Tiger Woods is the latest athlete whose net worth has reached $1 billion. Woods joins the aforementioned LeBron James and Michael Jordan in the Billionaires Club. So the question is, naturally, if you received one billion dollars,
1: I mean, what's the first thing you'd buy? I, you wouldn't know because you wouldn't see me big man. Like that's, <laughs> that's it, bro. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's any of your
2: business, sir. Okay, but here, here's my thing. You know there's yeah. people out there that say like, oh, how, how much money do you need? Like how could you even spend a billion dollars? Like sure. bro, watch me.
1: No, no, okay, watch okay. Me. You know, a billion's a lot of money and obviously a lot of that would go to a lot of causes that are near and dear to my heart. And even then, And I had a conversation with a colleague of ours, whose name I won't mention, just a couple days ago, about winning the lottery and what it would take, or what we would do if we won the lottery. Mm -hmm. And that was just a percentage of what a billion dollars would be. And um, the consensus answer was still the same. You wouldn't see me, big man. Yeah. So I'm going cook,
2: personal trainer, uh, golf, Swing coach okay. for sure. That uh, those are, not, those, those not are my dream right at all. Uh, Felix OJ Aliasim beat Karen Kachinov. Dream big, bro. In <laughs> straight sets to advance to the semifinals of the Labima Open. Felix will now face Tim Van Rijthoven, who's ranked 250 in the world in Saturday's semifinal. Felix claimed his first ATP title back in February. Are we getting another one soon?
1: I, I don't know. Not really big on the tennis prediction games with <laughs> these parts, but just continues the great play of Canadian tennis and uh, Felix has been great to watch. He's gonna be on the cusp of big names soon. You would, a personal chef would be in like your top three Guy, things. With- I love to cook. I'll just do that for myself. That's true, you are, you are it, a chef. Man. Yeah,
2: no, I know that. I feel
1: like you with a billion dollars, big man, Salt aim day. a little higher. Right. Just a aim jet- a little higher. Oh, yes. There you go. See, yeah. now we're thinking. See, right. speaking of Jet, we've got to do just that. Tim is going to be back on Monday. I'm actually going to be here next Friday. It's my birthday, but they begged. A reminder oh. you can catch the Jays and Tigers on Sportsnet. Have a great weekend, everyone. But before we go, here's a look back at the week that was on Tim and Friends.
5: It's
2: Friday, then. It's Saturday, Sunday. What?
4: It's Friday, then. It's Saturday, Sunday. What?
5: going to attempt to knock out both of these targets shooting right-handed. <laughs> By God, where did it come from? It's Jason Vaughn. Vol- no, it's not. It's Kevin Mickey.
7: Have Tim Peel be able to separate the man of Vander Kane and the hockey player of Vander Kane. If Kane's a, d- a, a jerk... Oh, let's watch hey, Richard, there. I got you. If Kane's a d-
6: head...
2: You know I once swore on air. What did you say? <laughs>
6: <laughs>
7: I heard that they're drafting. Redrafting. They redraft every week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't like that. What if I want to cheer on the niblets? the hot balls? What are they? Fireballs. Fire Fireballs. Yeah. Not hot balls. All right. Speaking of, never mind. He's wearing a sweater. But Jesse Rubenoff <laughs> joins
2: us from St. George's at the Canadian Open, and he's already
7: dancing every I mean, day,
2: having the time of his life. Oh, look As at you this! Can see behind me, we have St. George's Country Club. I hate pie. Hold on, I'm just finishing this email.
5: Okay. <laughs> Look at this, he's relaxed. I don't know if that's Fat Joe. I don't know if you remember Fat Joe, but a fellow named Fat Joe did a song called Lean Back. Of course I know who Fat Joe is. Okay. Lean
2: back, yo. Lean back. Lean back. Lean
0: back. lean back.
2: Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> know if that's like that, a right? good Fat know. Joe. Lean back. Lean,
0: lean back.
5: Lean back. Lean back. Your street cred went up or down. <laughs> is that down not there? good? Yeah. I don't at? not know. <laughs> Are we still calling it Dink and Dunk? Because I am not Dunk. Are you okay with Dink? Yeah, I mean, okay. I feel like that other guy used to be Dink. <laughs> uh, I'm not
2: making any comments. Winning the Battle of Alberta is meaningless if you get swept in the next series. That's a bit of a hot take. See if he's a Flames fan. In
5: Calgary, Alberta.
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's now time for Jesse to take with last call ooh, ooh, ooh. Right. you why can't not? do a dog pound bark why not and not expect me to stop you and say where the hell did that come i don't from? know i'm just pumped <laughs> those people over there you know who they are right those are people who brought the property value down in mr roger's neighborhood that's who those people are <laughs> jazzy
7: What are the first stories?
5: <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know, content for end of the week. That's all we're trying to
0: achieve here. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. <laughs>